This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode, we're talking about the practice we call turn, pause, listen, and choose to follow Jesus. May the way open before you. Welcome back to The Way of Love, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. In season two, we're talking about the way of love beyond the church walls. I'm Sandy Milian, and I'm here with Kyle Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. We're talking about the practice turn today, and we'll be speaking with Ruth Anderson and Greg Farrand of Second Breath. That's a center for spirituality based in Greensboro, North Carolina. We'll be chatting with them about ways to pause each day and how we can gradually find purpose and meaning as we meet God in the silences of our lives. Yes, but before we do that, we have a different take on the word turn. We spoke to Bishop Curry recently about some of the big challenges facing our world today and what it would look like to turn our societies toward love and life. He told us a little bit about some inspiring leaders he believes are showing us the way. I can think of three examples that involve young people in particular, and, and one that involves people on the exact opposite <laughs> of the age spectrum. But there's signs of hope, it seems to me, both for deep and real faith and signs of hope for the human family, regardless of faith. One is the young woman, Malala. There was an attempted assassination on her because she was at from Pakistan and she was advocating, especially for young girls, to get an education. I mean, I grew up learning that education is always the key to emancipation. And for girls not to have that opportunity, or even boys, anybody, not to have that opportunity is wrong. That is a violation, if not of a formal human right, it is a violation of human dignity. And she was advocating and really working as a young teenager. I mean, she was a young kid and somebody tried to kill her. And I think she and her family now relocated to England and, and lived there, but she's continued her advocacy for young girls, young now young women, and for all children to have access to excellent education so that they can develop into everything they can. That's a sign of hope for the human family itself. The, the second one that comes to mind is a young woman from Scandinavia who I think is a teenager who has, she is passionate about saving this environment and this earth in which we live. And it is very fragile and we've got some choices to make and we've got a few years to make these choices and decisions. She is probably one of the most articulate advocates for saving this earth, of doing everything we can to stabilize the climate and to prevent the destruction of the planet where we all live on. And I mean, she's actually getting a hearing from world leaders. Remember the, the story about the emperor has no clothes? It's like this little kid, you know, everybody, the emperor's pretending that he's got clothes. And so everybody, all the adults will say, well, the emperor says he has clothes, he has clothes, even though he doesn't have any. But it's this little kid who kind of says, mommy, he doesn't have any clothes on. And then everybody opens their eyes. Well, this young girl is kind of like that. All this pretense of how powerful we are and, oh, we got to make more money and we got to do this so we can all make more money and be more powerful. It has no clothes. And it's maybe it's taking a child to tell us that the pretense that we've been living under has no clothes and to stop the games and to stop the nonsense and to use the resources and the brain power and the technology and to use our commercial capacities to actually reverse climate change and actually stabilize and save this planet. And maybe, I just see that as a sign of hope. This kid is, a, I mean, I just think it's incredible. This isn't a big politician, this is a young woman, a teenager. Third is a group of students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas 
school where the shooting happened not long ago. Those young people have continued their work advocating for responsible and sensible approaches to guns and gun ownership, but, but more than that, there's a whole cluster of things that we as a society have to do and can do to mitigate a culture of violence that enables horrendous acts. And I dare say they will continue to do that or something similar as their lives go on. I just think they are indications that the spirit is actually God, is actually still working in this world. The last one are two obvious religious figures, His Holiness Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu and their book, Joy, they did together. The writer did it, got the two of them together and spent like a week or something like that with the two of them and just chronicled the conversations. And it's a remarkable book of two deep people of faith and wisdom and lived experience who've learned how to live lives of integrity and make a profound difference in the world, but to do so not from a dour, depressed, oh, the world is going to hell in a handbag, you know, all that kind of, but actually did so with a sense of joy, of hope, and dogged determinedness that the world doesn't have to be the way it often is and it can be different. That's us, those two guys, and they've lived it. That's a sign of hope. And so from the young to the old, God is still in this world and is still stirring the pot. Who are the people speaking a prophetic word in your life? What role might you have to play in joining their call to make life-giving changes in our societies? this episode together kind of in reverse order of the experience of turning. We just heard from Bishop Curry about where our discipleship needs to take us in the days ahead and some of the people leading the way. But we also know that sometimes we get so busy that it can be hard to even hear that voice calling us to change directions. So here's Sandy to introduce our guests who have a lot of experience helping their students learn to listen. Well, for today's episode, we have two special guests with us. We have Ruth Anderson and Greg Ferrand. Can you guys introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and your ministry and where you come from? My name is Ruth Anderson, and I live here in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I'm a co-director of Second Breath Center. And my name is Greg Ferrand, and as we said, uh, we're co-directors of the Second Breath Center, and I'm also uh, an Episcopal priest at a church here in Greensboro. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Second Breath and how it started and just whatever you want to share with us? Second Breath started over 25 years ago when a small group of people from Greensboro went up to Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. This tiny band of people, very dedicated, faithful people, just held the question, how does God want to transform this little part of our city? They built hospitals. They built schools. We came back to Greensboro and decided we could do that here. An inward journey of faith and an outward journey of service. 
And over the years, we have rebranded to the Second Breath Center, a school that offers classes, workshops, retreats. You know, I stumbled into Second Breath about 11 years ago. I had planted a church, and by all external measures, uh, I'd been pastoring it for about eight, nine years, and all external measures, it was a huge success. You know, we were growing like crazy diverse, lots of powerful ministries, but I just found myself internally uh, really burning out. Uh, I was fried. I was not experiencing joy. I felt myself sliding into some depression and it didn't make sense based on all these circumstances. It was impacting uh, all these areas of my life, my family. Uh, I just was struggling. I was doing all the things that I was taught, praying and reading and studying, but it was primarily attempting to kind of have fullness of life just through the head, through the, through the intellect. And it wasn't working out. At that time, I learned about Second Breath, and I was dubious about any new program, but I kind of risked it. And I walked in to the first class, which was called The Inward Journey of Faith. There were stay-at-home parents and a yoga instructor. There's an electrician and also retired folks, grad student. There was this fresh articulation of Christian spirituality that was so, it's so resonant with what, to me, I read and hear from Bishop Curry, the power of love, the reality of our interconnectivity with God, with one another, with all of creation that started landing in my heart. But beyond that, what Second Breath taught was they just gave us this toolbox absolutely overflowing with these practical spiritual practices that we could fold into our lives. Uh, as I started, all of a sudden, it was like I was stepping into a space of authentic internal connection. It was like I shifted from an intellectual belief system to actual inner experience of God's presence and love stuff that I've been preaching for decades, but experienced truly in my life at that point. And it was transformative. It gave me an entirely fresh perspective on my call, on who I was, what my life was about, and breathed new vitality into my marriage, into my parenting. And so from that, I actually led me from the Presbyterian Church slowly into the Episcopal Church, which is actually where I grew up. And now I have the incredible privilege of being co-director. So I'm so passionate about it because I've experienced the impact personally, and now I get to see so many people and to see their lives transformed too. It's just a, such a joy. So I'm, I'm kind of giddy about it uh, that I get to do this for a living. Could you give us a brief description of other practices, maybe two or three that you guys teach? Sure. Well, just one of the things that we talk about is having a relationship with silence. We have learned over the years, if we start teaching traditional centering prayer 20 minutes twice a day, most people cannot go there. And they kind of try, but then they get sorely disappointed and feel like they're a failure at centering prayer. So we start with little steps, and that really helps folks. And so we just talk about silence. Notice how little silence there actually is in their lives. And then again, in my own experience, when I was starting to think about silence, I knew there's no way at that time in my life as an executive, I couldn't imagine having 20 extra minutes a day. So it occurred to me that my drive time to work was 20 minutes. And so I started, you know, this is my little step to drive to work without the radio on. Mm. That was the beginning. And then it occurred to me that I could do that on the way home too. There were 20 <laughs> minutes on the way home. And then it kind of evolved. You know, I was kind of reading scripture in a new way and 
like I was taking lunch at my desk, but with the door closed. And I just kind of sat in silence mm. for a couple minutes and kind of opened myself. I was learning practices that open my mind, open my heart, get me grounded in my body. I just do that. And then it occurred to me, and I was mortified when I realized I didn't know some of the folks who worked in our warehouse. I did not know their names. So I started to go in the back door through the warehouse. So gradual, gradual. We teach some traditional wisdom practices, but we also trust that people, if they kind of get like the concept of developing relationship with silence and they really honor their own lives, they'll, they'll find ways to create those spaces where God can be alive to us, where we can be alive to the other person. Spiritual practices oftentimes are done with, okay, now I'm going to get peace. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to now I'm going to zen out and finally be able to cultivate happiness or, or attain the presence of God. And what we tell people is, look, you've already got it. You've got, you are immersed, you are marinating, you are swimming in divine love and presence. We don't attain anything. It's just an issue of awareness. Spiritual practices can be so simple and they can seem like so simple that they're kind of silly. For example, just creating the space out of your life to look at the clouds for five minutes. Stare out your window and look at the clouds. And when you're done, you can say amen because you just cultivated a rich uh, time of awareness with God. If we're willing to simply step off that hamster wheel and create space for stillness, it doesn't take much room for the spirit to flow in and begin to shift our consciousness, to grow us in awareness of what Jesus called the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us today. This episode was produced by Kyle Oliver and me, Sandy Millian, and was edited by Kyle. Our theme and reflection music is by Ana Hernandez. Jerusalem Greer writes our reflection guides. Chris Sigma writes our show notes. Our website is by Caleb Heitzman, and you can check it out at wayoflove.episcopalchurch.org. Learn more about Second Breath at secondbreathcenter.com. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd especially love it if you rate and review it or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contribute music, a prayer, or feedback, write us at wayoflove at episcopalchurch.org. This is Sarah Barton Thomas from Atlanta, Georgia. God of creation, you have given us examples of the way of love across age, space, and time. Help us to see those examples as beacons while opening our eyes and hearts to notice those in our own communities turning towards Jesus and walking in love. Give us open minds as we create spaces where your spirit can be alive within us and we can be alive to one another. Amen. The way of Jesus is the way of love and the way of love can change the world. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. 
You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec lovealways.